You're listening to the Harvest Christian Fellowship Weekend Message Podcast. To learn more about our community, like what we believe and how you can take a next step, visit us online at hcfcornwall.ca or join us for one of our services this weekend, Sunday mornings at 9.15 or 11 here at 847 York Street. Another powerful message by Pastor Roy Stevenson. Here I go. <laughs> it's not hard in this atmosphere. Wow, you guys are stirred. Your faith is bubbling. The well of worship was uh, really bubbling up this morning. It's one of the wells that I won't be redigging or talking about uh, in our series, but definitely a really, really important one here at Harvest as we believe God uh, is enthroned in the praises of his people. And so we experience his presence in a powerful way. And when Jesus shows up, I always say it this way, he leaves big footprints. So I believe there's been healing today and God's been setting people free and you just grab on to what's yours because he's paid for it already. You have a receipt, it's called the cross of Jesus Christ. You just say, it's been paid in full. Say paid in full. It's paid in full and he wants to bless you today. I just wanna bring your attention to June the 20th. It's a Monday evening and we are doing our annual uh, general meeting as an organization, as a charity, we're required to do this. Uh, Rev Canada asks us to. We have our accounting firm who does the audits each year um, on our books, and they do a presentation. We have to catch up two years because of COVID. Uh, we didn't, weren't able to have one. And so if that interests you, you'd like to be a part of that, we, of course, um, our books are always open, and we want to make you feel welcome to be a part of that on June the 20th at 7 o'clock here in the auditorium. Also, if you have some time right now to help us, just odd jobs cleaning up and getting ready for our kids' church wing, um, Steve Vallad, big shout out to Steve Vallad, flooring, that'll be putting the flooring down in those classrooms, and, and Chelsea's dad, Steve, another Steve, thank you for doing uh, sheetrock and mud for us, and it's getting ready, paint's going up soon, so we wanna, yeah, give that whole area a facelift. Many hands make light work, and so if you're available, uh, you say, I'm, I don't do the trade stuff, that's okay, we, we have a bin outside, we've got stuff that needs to be moved. Just contact Mia at the office um, if you're available during the week and the evening, we're gonna try to coordinate uh, you being able to just come in and have a job that you can just jump into and get done for us, so we appreciate that so very much. Man, last week, I, and I think kind of, the Bible says that, that signs and wonders follow the preaching of the word, and uh, Pastor Andrew Hoyes was here with his wife, Vanessa, and that word for bold breakthrough. How many just felt stirred like, yeah, I need to, be, I need to take a bold, uh, step of bold breakthrough? Can I just see your hand? Wave at me. God bless you. Those that aren't waving, we're, we're praying you'll get there. Uh, and uh, really believe God for a bold breakthrough uh, in your life. Christina is uh, conspicuously absent today. Yesterday, um, the daycare had a team building time. They do it each year. It's so much fun. Um, and they do a car rally. And uh, the 60-some staff, you know, they, they get into teams. And, and then they have checkpoints. And there's like, it's like a giant um, scavenger hunt, so to speak. And, and they just have a lot of fun. And so it ended back up at, uh, at my son's house, Andrew and Brittany's place. And there was a large blow-up there, obstacle course adult blow-up obstacle course. And Christina was dominating in the obstacle course. And uh, she turns 60 in September. Uh, that's going to be an event, so awesome. 
And uh, she wanted to prove to all the 30-somethings and the 20-somethings that uh, age doesn't matter. So she's dominating on the obstacle course, and she decides, who wants to challenge me to do it backwards? So there's a slide at the end, so she runs up the slide, and there's a rock wall on the other side, and she decides to take a flying leap and land down on the squishy, bouncy floor and turn her ankle. Um, and so in the middle of the race, she just disappears and collapses, and you hear this, oh. She's in a merge right now watching service, um, and uh, they've moved her through quickly to get an x-ray. Uh, we want to see uh, what that's all about other than her dominating in the obstacle race. But so shout-out to my wife today who's watching online. Everybody else who's watching online, shout-out to you as well. I was tucking her into bed last night, and, and uh, we, were, we were wanting to wait until morning because it, it didn't seem like it was broken, but definitely something else. Uh, possibly, we just want to make sure we're doing everything we can do to, agree, to cooperate with the healing of her body. And, and uh, she looks at me, she goes, um, I prayed to Jesus for my healing all by myself, which was her way of saying, thanks a lot for not praying for my healing. <laughs> and you waited until now and I'm going to bed. So uh, sometimes pastor forgets and that's good to be reminded the well of healing is so important. The well of family, of healing, and today I want to talk to you about the well of financial provision, the well of finances, and uh, I'm excited about this. And uh, as we get going here, God uh, made Abraham a promise in the Old Testament, a covenant we call it, that he would bless Abraham, he would provide for Abraham. And Abraham has a revelation, God declares it, and then Abraham experiences it in a profound way, the, the provision of God. And in his aha moment, he names the place where he was, uh, he gives it a name, and they would do that in the Bible to remember revelations they had about God, things they had learned about the character of God. And so when we talked about healing, Jehovah Rapha, and that just in Hebrew meant the God who heals. And so Abraham says, Jehovah Jireh. In Genesis twenty two fourteen, Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. In, Gen in Galatians chapter three, if you belong to Christ, in other words, you've made a decision to invite Jesus into your life, you're a Christ follower, um, you've just made that decision in faith, then you are Abraham's seed. So the Bible says we're not natural Jewish people, but the Bible speaks about there's, there's national Jews, but there's also spiritual Jews. And the promises of the Old Testament apply to Abraham's seed. All those promises in the Old Testament become a reality in the New Testament because of the cross of Jesus. Abraham, God made a, a, a promise to Abraham. We are Abraham's seed. Look at this. And heirs, heirs, that means we inherit. Say inherit. We inherit everything that was given to Abraham. And so let's just pray, Lord, I thank you today. Lord, as Christ followers today, we inherit the Abrahamic promise of your provision. Today, Lord, we come against the dirt that's been kicked in the well over these days of economic recession. Lord, declaration of cost of living skyrocketing. Every time we go to the gas pump, we're reminded how much it costs and how much more is going out of our pocketbooks, how much more out of our bank accounts. But today, I declare that you are Jehovah Jireh. You provide, and you provide beyond our natural means. Today, 
Let that truth be heard, let it be experienced, and let people step into the well of provision in this house like never before, I ask in your name. And everyone said, amen. Wow, you're with me, and I'm going to talk about money. I like this. King David in Psalm 23 declared, because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. Because the Lord is my shepherd. Not because I have a good job, not because, because all those things in the natural can change instantaneously. But because the Lord is my shepherd, that Jesus takes us from green pasture to green pasture, he supplies everything that I need. This series is based on the story of Isaac who had some wells and he was blessed, he was incredibly prosperous and then the enemy said, I'm gonna take away your blessing, which the enemy can't do. He can't touch your blessing. If God gives you a blessing, the enemy can't touch it, it's yours, you've received it, it's yours. But the enemy can start kicking dirt into the well of where the Holy Spirit, uh, the wells of salvation, to cause you to have disbelief, to cause you to kind of give up on a particular flow of God's Holy Spirit. So give up on family, give up on healing, give up on finances. And, and, and so Isaac could have said, I have 10 wells. Now I have nine, I got enough. Eight, I'll have enough. And the enemy wants to shrink you. The well of financial provision is such an important, an important well that I want to talk about today that you would know, like David, that we would know together, the Lord is my shepherd. In the King James, I shall not want. There'd be no want, no want in my spirit because he's provided everything. David said this, once I was young and now I am old. And I hate that I can say that too. <laughs> and, and he's kind of saying that I've been around for a while and I've experienced some things, and, and I can say through experience that I've never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. He's saying in all of my years, and I can say this this morning, in all my years of uh, living as a Christ follower and now well over 30 years in full-time ministry, this truth of God's financial provision is one that excites me so much. Today, as I share this with you, it is not a theory. It's not some idea, uh, but Christina and I have experienced this since we were children. We were raised to know the financial well. Uh, God taking what seems to be, what seems to be limited resources, whatever your salary might be, whatever, however you uh, receive finances, because we all receive finances. Our economy is built on buy and sell or trade. Uh, so I take my money and I trade for food when I go to the grocery store. It's not really a trade, but... Our whole economy is built on this. God takes what seems to be limited, and then he turns it into an unlimited resource that provides for us. It provides for our family, and it allows us, as we heard a moment ago from Karen, that we can become a generous pipeline. And by the way, is Karen killing it or what? <laughs> is there a touch of God on her? Oh, my goodness. You're going to hear her preach in a few weeks, and as she's giving oversight to our young adults, she's going to be pastorally over our uh, student ministry department as we're building that. And I think Natalie's in the house this morning. Are you here, Natalie? There you are. Stand up, honey. Stand up so everybody can see. There's Natalie. Give Natalie a big hand. Just back from four years of Bible college, back to serve the house that she was sent from, and she's staying in, and we're so thankful for that. 
together uh, they're going to be coming up with strategic ways just to bless our student ministry age group here at Harvest. Uh, just so capable and so awesome. A financial well. Cornwall looked really different 20 years ago when Christina and I set out to leave upstate New York. We're Canadian, but we lived there and served in that church for 12 years. And Cornwall looked a whole lot different 20 years ago. And if you've been around, you would know what I mean. As we uh, were talked about, uh, the stench of, of the pulp and paper, and that stench was more than the smell of prosperity um, to those who understood that. But as pulp and paper was losing its impact and, and workers were not paying the big, you know, the Levi plant was gone and this plant and that plant. And our industrial sector that paid a lot of high salaries was gone. And there were, there were a lot of low-level jobs available and we had the highest unemployment rate. We had highest amount of people in Ontario and sometimes Canada that were on, a, on some kind of government assistance. And as we looked at uh, what was described by others to us is you're going to some broken down city. We go, we believe a God who can take a broken down city and build it up and bring prosperity to it. Prophesied it from the day that we arrived and set foot on the soil because God made us a promise that if we would be true to his word, we would, we would speak about uh, his provision and that there would be a people of God that would just grow in faith. God would do in the natural and in the spiritual, begin to bless the city and bless his house and bless people. Specifically, the promise was around. God said, I will, I will show you, the, the demonstration will be, what people will see is I will bless you with lands and buildings. Lands and buildings, prophetically, he spoke over our life. And so when we set out, uh, we had already purchased, we had a handful of people uh, that were believing God for breakthrough in the city. We were sent out of uh, a New Testament church with a bunch of Canadians eager to see God do something in our city. We had purchased the old Palace Theater on Pitt Street, and it had been converted. It was Maximum Fitness Center. And, uh, but that deal fell through. The other side, uh, fell, it fell through on the other side. And all of a sudden, now we're looking for a place to call home to put a, to put a group of people. And we had this word, and we prayed into it, we believed for it. And, uh, and in our first year, as we were celebrating our first birthday, uh, and we were having a little party uh, at, the, um, at the school, um, Rose de Vance uh, Public School, we were there in the gymnasium having a party. And we had found out like that day or the day before that we were putting uh, a purchase offer in. We couldn't tell anybody, couldn't make it public yet. Uh, we were behind the scenes making it happen uh, that, on, on this building, on the St. John Bosco Church building. And uh, that miracle happened. And, uh, and, and about, about uh, a year later, we heard word that the St. John Bosco School would be coming for sale. And God has spoke to us about not just planting a church where we would do church every Sunday, but we were to plant a people that understood God's provision, and we were to bless our city, not, for, not by asking uh, for handouts, but by providing a way that we could bless the city and demonstrate God is Jehovah Jireh. And uh, so the daycare became a thought in our heart. And uh, each Sunday, old school, when we used to receive the morning's giving, um, we would pass a, a, a velvet bag, and you put your tithes and offerings in there. And uh, while we were doing that, we would stretch our hands this way. Uh, this room looked way different. Uh, stretch our hands, and we say to God, God, we, you, you said that we would do great things in the city. 
You said there would be lands, plural, buildings, plural. We're taking you at your word, and we're believing you to provide that building. And, of course, uh, that, that prayer was answered, and, and that story is incredible, and it continues. Um, and I can tell you more. But I want to just reference it today uh, because it's part of our heritage. It's part of our understanding Jehovah Jireh as a group of people. And it's, I want to just talk to you today about establishing your own financial well because when your financial well is, 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 is flowing, then when we come together, we're able to do amazing exploits for God. So when we, when this, when we first landed in this building, I remember going to a ministerial meeting, and one of the pastors said to me, um, he said, wow, obviously you got some deep pockets there at that Harvest Christian Fellowship, which of course was a way of saying you've got a lot of rich people there, was their way of saying we don't have any money in our church, we would never be able to, how did you buy a building like that? And, and, and honestly, I got angry. I didn't manifest it, at least I hope I didn't, but I was really ticked because the group of people that was there then, and the group of people here today, as far as I know, we don't have what I would call wealthy people. And I've been in churches where they have people that can stroke checks. They can just, pastor can go and say, hey, we're $10,000 short on a project. Uh, would you pray about it and see what God might have you do? And they all go, yeah, okay, I'll stroke a check for 10 grand. How's that? Business people who God have blessed to do that. And they understand that that's their place in the kingdom. And, and I think that's great. And I've been praying for those kinds of people to come to Harvest. And uh, if you want to call them deep pockets. And the provision is because there is like literal financial provision there. But I was, I was a little ticked because we were a bunch of people like the Old Testament talks about the widow who had gone down. Her, she had two containers in her kitchen, one of flour and one of oil to make the daily bread. And she went and she knew that she had enough to make one more loaf of bread. And the prophet came and said, would you give me some bread? And I think, what an awful prophet that was to ask for her last piece of bread. But he was showing her that God was going to be Jehovah Jireh, the provider. He said, make me some bread. And he said, there'll be a miracle that will happen in those containers. And this was interesting. He said, the miracle will not be that I will fill the containers up. That won't be the miracle that you'll go, wow, full, a full oil and a full flour. He said, the miracle will be the little bit that's in the containers will keep multiplying. It'll still be a little bit, but it's going to make a lot. Do you, do you understand what I'm trying to say? That God takes the little bit, does a supernatural miracle, and then the little bit just keeps going, and the end result, the net worth of those containers, it's much higher than what's in the containers. The net worth of you, the net worth of me, the net worth of us as a church, if you calculate it, it's incredibly higher than the pockets, which is our story. And so Elijah says to the woman, go and do that. And of course she does it. And it says in 1 Kings chapter 17, there was always enough flour and oil left in the containers just as the Lord had promised through the prophet. The, the containers didn't fill, but the little bit came under a supernatural miracle. And that's what we were about. That's what we've always been about. But dear Jesus, please give somebody with a gift of giving that can stroke checks for ten, twenty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Because we're called to bless the city. Because you're called to do great exploits. And find, it takes finances. And God wants to take the restrictions off of your life and off of my life. Lands and buildings. 
uh, we talk about the daycare and uh, hundreds now, hundreds and hundreds of moms and dads that have, have ha- understood pride of work because they can put children in overnight even, as you didn't know, we have a 24-hour uh, around-the-clock care, so people working shift work in the logistics um, who don't have family that can help can still work and still break out of cycles of being on assistance. And uh, I'm just so blessed that we've had a little tiny, as a church, as a church, we've had a little tiny bit to do with that. Recently purchased a house in Cuba. So Emilio Alonso, the apostolic ministry there that we just love, and I was texting him this week. He is in Canada, but unfortunately we couldn't connect him to come. We were able to purchase him a home during COVID. We raised some money, and we did that offering, and he has a home so that he can have some privacy and, uh, and, and continue to oversee over 900 churches in Cuba. There's Yeah, go ahead and thank God for the generosity. I could go on and on. But I was just aiming at lands and buildings because, because uh, that, was, uh, that was kind of the word of the Lord. There was a man in our church where I grew up, kind of a father figure to me, and I came into my teen years, and uh, I used to hang out with him and just love because he just would challenge me in the Bible, and, uh, and it was just an amazing, as he, as we, I had attended the same church with him, he'd been my Sunday school teacher, and he had a, a shop in our town. He was a watchmaker, and it was a jewelry shop in our little town, but people would come from all over because he was so skilled. It was really, it, would, it reminds me when I go into Andre Pommier's shop downtown, it reminds me of that, and not so much of Andre, even though he's so cool and awesome, but Andre's dad would sit in the back until he retired with his little monocle eyepiece, and he would look at old school watches and fix them for you or design jewelry for you, and that was my friend Richard uh, in, in, the, in the jewelry shop. And uh, I would go in there and talk to him, and he, he began to talk to me about uh, uh, living, living in the well of provision. As a young man, living in that well of provision. And I went in one summer uh, as uh, now a, a young adult, and, and uh, I wanted to purchase an engagement ring for Christina. And so I went in to look to see what he had, and, and, uh, and, and the ugliest, smallest, <laughs> uh, most pathetic engagement ring was so far out of my price range that I couldn't even afford that. And I was, I was discouraged, just saying. I was a poor university student. I mean, I was just paying tuition and working summers to do that. And, and uh, Christina were talking about our future, and I still wanted to seal the deal and give her a nice engagement ring. And he said this to me. He said, Roy, do you think it matters to God that you would give your wife a nice engagement ring? I said, I, I had never thought about it. I said, I don't know. I don't know if it matters to God. Well, he began to show me the scriptures that it mattered to God. It mattered to God because it mattered to me. And that, that I wanted to bless her with a great engagement ring. And, uh, and, and so he said, I want you to begin to pray and believe God to provide this. Well, I got up every morning and I started praying, and God, it matters to you, it matters to me, and I'd like to bless Christina as a token of my love to give her, you know, something that, you know, more than the one in the bubblegum machine that I could afford for the quarter. Lord, could you open this door? And I began to pray that. Well, a few weeks into that journey, I got a call from Richard, and he said, you need to come down to the jewelry shop. He said, you've got faith like Elijah. you got to come right now. And I thought, that sounded like good news to me. And, and so I got there, and he had a black velvet piece of cloth out on the table. And he had a, a half-carat diamond uh, on that velvet. And he was showing, and the light was sparkling. And I was like, ooh, ah. 
And he showed me a ring that had been designed uh, originally as a, a dinner ring, but he had reworked it to make it an engagement ring because he had the skills to do that. And then he dropped that half-carat diamond into the setting, and it was beautiful. He said, a diamond representative came by this week. This was one of his demo diamonds, and I was able to score it from him. I, I told him about all the things that were wrong with it. That's how you do good business, he said, and, and uh, got my eye, yeah, I don't know. And he said, it's actually an amazing diamond. And he said, I was able to get it, and he put the price together, and he wrote a number down on a piece of paper. And he said, this is what I can sell this to you for. My bank was right next door, RBC Bank, and, and uh Old school, we didn't do it online. I had a bank book. <laughs> and, uh, and I just happened to have my bank book in my back pocket. And uh, I, he said, why don't you go, Can, do you have the money? And I had the money, but not enough money. And I didn't want to say to him, uh, could you bring the price down? Because I knew this was rock bottom. Uh, God provided price tag. And I wasn't going to ask for him to take a, a loss on this. He was offering it all wholesale to me. And, uh, and so I went next door to the bank. And I took my bank book, and I asked for a withdrawal of everything that was in the bank that day. And so they gave me my money, and they gave me my slip of paper, and there was more money in the bank because the interest cycle had just happened. And back in 1982, interest rates were way higher, and, and mortgage rates on houses, man, we, like, hey, 4 and 5%, if you have that on your house, 17 and 8, 18% interest on mortgages back in those days, crazy times. Um, and, uh, and so, so interest rates at the banks were high. And they handed me the piece of paper of what, how much money they were giving me, and to the dollar, it was the same as the piece of paper that he had just given me for the ring. And I skipped over and bought my God-provided engagement ring. <laughs> and this young man said, Jehovah Jireh! <laughs> there were times through school and our, in our marriage where we cried out to Jehovah Jireh, our providers. We learned the principles of God providing for us, taking what we had and making it more, not filling the containers up, making what was a little bit in the container go a supernatural distance. Financial miracles in your life. But hey, the enemy can, and can kick right now the dirt of unbelief, mistrust of God's provision, the dirt of self-sufficiency. I just need to work harder. I just need to get more. If I could just get more. Um, and, and of course, all of the other things that are happening right now. We're going to believe God for financial miracles uh, in these days. We're going to open up this well. I believe that God has called us to do even greater things in these days at Harvest. And uh, it's going to be a result of you opening your well so that we open the well of Harvest. Here's a scripture to understand the principles. I want to tell you how to dig out the well. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon was the, uh, the Greeks understood uh, that mammon was a spiritual entity because in the, in the, in the, in the world of darkness, uh, as re um, religions and people groups that didn't serve God, they still serve some spiritual entity. And the, and, the, and the God of mammon or the spirit of mammon was literally the spirit over wealth how to get richer, and they would serve the spirit or the God of mammon or the God of wealth. And the Bible's saying that, that that spirit in the world today actually exists. Have you ever heard the phrase money talks? Anybody? 
Heard that? Money talks. And money talks. It's the spirit of mammon that speaks about money and through money. And so the scriptures are saying God talks about money and mammon talks about money, but you can't listen to the two voices. You've got to listen to one and do what one is saying or listen to the other. You cannot have a foot in both spiritual worlds, mammon and God. And God's economy is different than the world's economy or mammon's economy. So mammon talks to us, and you've heard the voice of mammon. In fact, some of you are already squirming because I'm talking about money in church. And I have found when I preach about it, or if, I, if I'm personally in a meeting where a cause is being talked about and somebody's trying to stir faith, I reach for my wallet and put my hand on it because I'm going, Mammon's saying, don't let anything come out of your wallet. Don't you let that guy talk you out of what's in there. That's yours. And that's Mammon talking. And I gotta get past that in my head to hear what the Spirit of God might be saying about what's in my wallet. Come on, you've experienced this. And we'll say to you, why don't you ask God? Because when we receive offerings here, and, and by the way, I just want to give you an example of how, how we do this at Harvest. Um, Bob and Audrey are coming. They are world-class leaders. They are a world-class ministry. The fact that they call us friends, somebody in a church in Ottawa was bringing them in for a conference that was coming, it was doing Friday, Saturday. I don't know why they wouldn't have them Sunday. Like they would be like a first choice for me in-house Sunday morning. And they called me and said, we're available. Could we come? And I said, are you kidding me? And so we were able. And so what we're receiving from them, world class, world class. Say world class. We will not receive an offering to supply the need of a world class for travel and all those things. We budget those things in our little containers here at Harvest. And we say, oh, God, cause that flour and that oil to multiply. I know you're not filling the vessel, but just make that miracle happen. But we don't, we will not, I will not stand up and say for 15 minutes to try to get you to give. Even though I've been in environment, and I don't appreciate it, you don't appreciate it, we don't do that at Harvest. And we believe God for miracles. But we believe that God speaks to you about, you know, how to give. And so is the spirit of mammon, so the spirit of mammon will talk to you. And it'll say, you do not have enough. You don't have enough. You don't have enough. You can't give money away. You don't have enough. Say, not enough. That's the spirit of mammon. I'll tell you that. You got to get more. And when you get more someday, you'll be able to give. And I've heard a lot of people say, oh, pastor, we're just not able to give right now. But someday, someday, we're believing for God to multiply us and bless us, and we'll have more. And they think they're hearing the spirit of God, but they're actually listening to the spirit of mammon. That's saying, you don't have enough. The other thing the spirit of mammon will say is, you need, you need. When you go into Home Depot and, uh, and, and you need some new patio furniture or you need a new tool, guys, or you need whatever. And so the spirit of mammon talks to us about what we need. Say, I need it. There's nothing wrong with purchasing things, budgeting for things, but we have a world system that's in debt. And we're buying things that we can't afford. We're buying things that put us into debt. And that spirit of mammon loves indebtedness because once you go into debt, you, 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 you owe. The Bible says you become a slave to the master of debt. We have teachings here at Harvest. And come, when we start small groups again in the fall, 
we might be able to launch financial peace. Many of you have been recipients of that teaching and being able to get out of indebtedness and break that. Right, Gray? You're one of the biggest proponents of that because your miracle story is incredible of the amount of debt that you paid down and you live now in God's provision. And so, so, so that cycle just keeps going. That's mammon. That's mammon talking to you. Your money is either under the spirit of mammon or it can be brought in under the spirit of God. And when our money, when we're listening to the voice of God, we're listening, we bring our spirit. Remember, you can't do both. Say, not both. That's what the Bible says. I'm just sharing with you what the Bible says. How do you break the spirit of mammon in our own spirit? How do we break the voice of mammon? How do we break that, that really a curse over our money and bring it into the blessing and the grace of financial provision. How do we do that? How do we do that? I'm gonna give you one scripture today that we're gonna shift in a second. One scripture, here it is. Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of your income and he will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow. Say overflow. The miracle of the container now overflowing your wine vats uh, with the finest wines. The well of financial provisions is what I'm talking about. When we talk about honoring God, when we talk about honoring God, what we mean by that is we're giving God his rightful place. When we honor God in worship, we did that this morning, we're saying, God, we honor you, King of kings and Lord of lords. When we honor God, you are the God who heals today. God, you're the God who puts my family back together. When we worship God and we're having that connection with him in, in, in our time of worship, and we're honoring him. That's why we speak out loud. It's an honor of God, God, giving God his rightful place. Here it says to honor God in our finances. Honor God in your finances. Give God his rightful place place in your finances. Well, why is this his rightful place? Because he's Jehovah Jireh. He's the God who provides. I don't want to serve mammon. I don't want to try to figure out how to take my limited money and make it meet all the needs because it never will, it never has, it never does. But to bring my money under the Spirit of God, and I'm here to tell you, if, you've, if you check my net worth, that's why I said it earlier, God has blessed Christine and I far beyond what our income numbers, our year-to-year income numbers ever have. And it is a miracle. And it's fun to watch God do this. Honor the Lord. Give God a place. Lord, you're my provider. God, you're the one who takes my five loaves and my two fish and you feed 5,000 people with it. God, I honored you with that little bit, and you fed 5,000 people. Jesus, I honor you today because you provide all of my needs out of your riches and glory. Jesus, I honor you today because you have access to the cattle on a 1,000 hills and the hills and everything else that goes with it. Jesus, I honor you because the lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Go ahead. Honor the Lord, Jehovah Jireh. Honor. Honor the Lord, it says, by giving him the first part of your income. And this is where in your seat right now, if you're uncomfortable, mammon is screaming, going, oh, no, you don't. (laughs) Don't listen to this. Oh, no, no. Listen, it has been my joy and my privilege over these 20 years 
As God gave us the promise in this house, you'll never worry about finances. And it has a double meaning. Roy, don't worry about it. And don't worry about it. Teach the people about the well of financial provision. When I was a little boy and I learned this principle, my Sunday school teacher took a dollar and they put the dollar back in their pocket and put 10 dimes on the table. Now, dollar. He said, this first part, this first dime, we're just going to slide that over there. That goes to Jesus. Gave us all a dollar, gave us all 10 dimes. Wow, we thought we were rich. We were little. Take that dime, now slide that over. Okay, now we're going to have an offering time as little kids, you know, and put our dime in. Bye-bye, dime. <laughs> we were already attached to it. We'd only had it for 30 seconds, but we're already attached to it. You know how that works. Just show, you know, you, you, you give your kids, it's their birthday, and you, and you want the other sibling to receive something. Okay, now get, share with your sister. No, it's mine. You've only had it 30 seconds. No, it's been 10 years. It's mine. That first dime goes to God. The next time goes to the hydro bill. The next time pays my modem. The next time, and so on and so on. Not the last time. Because if you wait to the last time, you always run out before you get to the last dime. Unless you put God first and you give God the first dime. Now, what we call this is tithing. And unfortunately, this word has become a really bad word across social media. I get so angry when I hear people, that's the law. You're teaching the law. We're under grace. Which how many know I preach a lot about grace in this house? I don't think I'm a law guy, I think I'm a grace guy. And this principle, this principle actually is a grace principle. It's not a law principle at all. It existed before there ever was a law and it will exist according to scripture that when we honor God, how do you honor God when you're sick? You pray for healing. How do you honor God in prevent, pr, pr, uh, financial? You bake the bread for him first. And then the containers start to multiply. I just want to finish with a couple of scriptures just to drive home that this is an act of grace and has nothing to do with the law. And I want to say that because I want to really kick mammon in the teeth this morning. Look at this. Paul is using the Macedonian churches because they've stepped into a giving principle. And he's actually using them to teach the Corinthian church something about giving. He says this. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace, the grace, say grace, the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. They didn't earn it. They didn't deserve it. It was a gift from God. But it had to do with giving. And so God dropped a revelation, aha, into the Macedonian churches. He said, I want you to know about it. For I can testify, because he was in that church, he received the offering from that church. I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford. Remember, they had a vessel that didn't have enough in it, but far more. So they didn't give out of what they could afford to give which is what some people will say. We'll give to God, but we'll give what we can afford to give him. That's great if it's greater than the first dime. That's awesome. But it's equal, what the Bible, what it teaches is equal sacrifice in this area. And God said, I have a way so that everyone, regardless of what you can afford, regardless of that, you can enter into this grace. 
Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given. For I testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it out of their free will. Say free will. Free will. You got to get what's happening here. Free will. Because you want to. Because you want to. He goes on. Since you excel in everything, Corinthian church, they were great in the spiritual gifts. They were great in doing church in so many ways. He said, man, you guys are killing it. You're doing so good. And since you are excelling in everything, see that you also excel. See that you go far beyond where you are right now. See that you excel in this grace of giving. Not the law of giving. Some churches want you to excel in the law of giving. And they put a whole bunch of rules around this. And I've had people say to me, so to be a member at Harvest, you have to tithe? What? <laughs> to be a member of the family? You got, well, that sounds like taxes to me. <laughs> that sounds like you pay your way. No, you can't earn or You cannot earn the well of provision. You, you don't deserve it. It's a grace. Say grace. But God said there's a way that we enter into partnership. Bake the bread first. Bake the bread first. And the containers don't fill up necessarily, but there's a supernatural blessing. See to it that you excel in this grace of giving. He goes on, he says this, I am not commanding you, and nor am I. Nor am I. I will never put you in a position, at least I say that if I do it, I want somebody to take me out behind the woodshed and explain to me that I did it because I don't, I don't ever want to put you in a position as a church where we command you to give money. But I do want you to hear the Spirit of God, not the Spirit of Mammon. And I want you to know the well of provision. So that's why I'm teaching this today. I don't command you. But I do want to test your sincerity of love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. What he's basically saying is the Macedonian churches, they've come into a well of provision after their act and after this grace of giving that they're entering into. This thing keeps bubbling and bubbling. We've heard more miracles. We've heard about more job promotions. We've heard about God doing crazy stuff with people that are on limited finances and they're getting crazy deals on things and their net worth is far beyond. I just, you, you, can't believe how the Macedonia churches have come into something. And he says, I just want to tell you about it so I can get you into this same love affair with Jesus, calling him Jehovah Jireh, not commanding you. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what we received? Remember, it's the wells of salvation. Say wells, wells. of salvation. salvation. Well, somebody's getting this. I can, I can feel this is going in. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that through his poverty he might be, you might become rich. What's the scripture saying? He took your sin to the cross. He became sin, the Bible said. He became sin. He was made sin on the cross so that our sin could be paid for. His body stripes were on his body so that we would be healed. He took poverty, the spirit of mammon, to the cross and said, Mammon, you might have a voice in the world, but you won't have a voice to my people. My people are going to have a cancellation of poverty. I'm going to cancel poverty. He said, I am anointed to give good news to the poor. Guess what good news to the poor is? You're not limited any longer. He took poverty to the cross. 
I don't understand why people can't see this in the Word. And they get all nuts about, I do know, because the spirit of mammon is over top. Ah! The spirit of God is saying, come on into this partnership. It's going to be so fun. Each of you, say includes me. Oh, that wasn't, come on, I want you to just try to say it includes me. Includes me. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart where you talk to Jesus. Not reluctantly or under compulsion because somebody made it a law, somebody made it a rule, somebody said you're going to hell if you don't do this because nobody's saying that because that is crazy nonsense and that is under the law. Under the law, you had to do certain things. In grace, it's a partnership with me and Jesus walking through life going, come on, Master, healing today, financial provision today. Next week, I'm going to talk about deliverance, the setting free of the captives. I've got this a truth today that we're going to dig this well out and see people who are in captivity to so many things be set free because we're opening the well of deliverance. Cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. In other words, we're created for good works. You'll be able to do all the works God's called you to do because the finances are there to provide for it. Put your hands together today. Thank you, Jehovah Jireh. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I just ask in this moment, Lord, that as we consider these truths today, Lord, that there'll be someone here today that will say, I'm, I, I'm going to commit to this, and I, I'm gonna, we're going to enter into this partnership. And Lord, as Christine and I did, not, it's not something we tried. It's, so, it's a lifestyle. It's something that we grew more and more confident in, but we know that we know that we know there's no way to come into the supernatural provision of finances without this principle. And so Lord, I just ask right now, and bless each one that's listening, and somebody's taking you at your word, Lord, to say, hey, Let's, come on, make, bake, give me my bread. Give me my bread first. And I, our daily bread, our daily bed prayer gets answered every single time. Amen. Keep your eyes closed. If you're in this room today and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never made a decision to say, Jesus, come into my life. We do this in every service, and I want to do it today. If you're here today, you'd like to make a decision to serve Jesus, have Jesus' eternal life come and take up residency in your heart right now, I would love to include you in a prayer that I'm going to pray in just a moment. But if that's you today, you want to be included in a prayer to give your life, your heart to Jesus, have him come into your life, I'd like you to raise your hand right now wherever you're seated. Just put it up so I can see it. I'll acknowledge it, and then you can put it down. Is there anyone today? I don't know, there could be somebody online. Church, could we just respond? And let's just do this for somebody maybe who didn't put up their hand. And you know what I mean. Let's just pray this prayer. Online, if somebody said, that's me today, I want to give my heart to the Lord. Let's pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you that you're my provider of eternal life. I receive it today. Forgive my sin. I begin my new life with you. Amen. Hey, we believe if you prayed that simple prayer online or in the room, you've begun your walk with Jesus. Why don't you stand to your feet just before we go. Someone will dismiss you in a moment. Let's worship the Lord.
Have an awesome rest of your day, and we'll see you next Sunday.